Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. Hey, are you a new author thinking about publishing in the next year? I have a freebie for you. It's a checklist on the many things you can be doing concurrently while you're getting your book ready to publish. It's a huge mistake to think I'm just going to focus only on my writing and then I'll worry about the other things like developing platform and marketing. So if you reach in and get my freebie at show notes, I've got you covered. Just a little reminder to get some things done as you're doing your writing, as you're doing your edits for the optimal chance of success. Get your checklist now. Welcome, persisters and brothers, to another episode of Persistence You with Lisbeth. I am so honored to have Stell Coombe Heath with me today. And Stell used to work as a business analyst. But today she's one of the leading authorities in helping busy women stop binge eating. And she's on a mission to help a million women have a better relationship with food and their body. Today she's a transformational health and life coach, cognitive behavioral therapist, and she's a podcast host herself. And she published the book called Food, well, a Food and Mood Journal. Love that. So anyway, I'm so grateful to have Stell with us. She's, like I said, from Melbourne, so we've got a little bit of a time difference going on. And I just can't say enough about what a big deal binge eating is, not just for women, but for men uh, as well. I think when you and I spoke, Stell, earlier, I talked about (laughs) a man that I knew that I had dated for a long time when I was in my 20s. And the one thing we had in common was that we could binge together like no one else <laughs> and then both tortured ourselves afterwards. But I don't want to make light of it because tell us about that day. And if, yeah, just tell us about that day that you knew this wasn't just something that you felt a little bad about, but it was like serious and had to change. Okay. All right. So I think the very first time I knew things had to change was in 2015, so it's a few years ago now, I had a a blood clot on my brain. I was hospitalized and um, I was lying in the hospital processing the news of this blood clot, but that wasn't the thing that got me worried. The thing that got me worried was the fact that I was eating hospital food, which I couldn't understand. Like I couldn't, um, you know, count the calories in that. I didn't have control over what they were feeding me and the ingredients. And then I also couldn't go run it off. And I was like, what the hell? Like here I am in this really life threatening situation. And I'm worried about the food they're giving me. And the fact that I can't go running and burning it off. (laughs) So that's when I realized, whoa, like there's something that's seriously wrong here. I should be focusing on my health and recovery, you know, but yeah, it was just a crazy. (laughs) It was a great epiphany. I mean, really, if that's what dawns on you when you have this life-threatening 
situation, like how much control did that have over your thoughts over so many years? And I totally, I'm right there with you. I mean, I completely understand and relate, but you know, I can't remember the last time I went to bed and didn't calculate what I'd eaten that day. So, you know, that's a huge issue. And I think especially for women. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So what did you do? What did you do after that? Well, you know, my main thing for that was just to recover and get back into my normal lifestyle. (laughs) So I kind of, um, it's weird, I cognitively understood there was a problem, but then I thought, well, I can just fix it with, you know, going back into my healthy eating and getting back into a routine. So I kind of ignored it for a few years um, and it, while I was going through this um, this trauma with this um, blood clot, I realized I, I wanted to help other people um, in health. And that's where I kind of started getting interested in, you know, not being an analyst anymore and helping people instead of analyzing data. And so I went on a journey of looking for ways that I can help people. I started studying my health coaching. So, but during that journey, I started being more strict on myself and running more and exercising more, you know? And so the big day where I finally decided that is it, I cannot do this anymore is a day when I um, I used to take the train home um i stopped at the maccas at the train which is mcdonald's for those of you um who don't know <laughs> the australian what did you call it maccas <laughs> <laughs> i did not ever hear that maccas is mcdonald's yes in australia no okay. correct correct <laughs> i also didn't know what it was when i first arrived in in melbourne so <laughs> love it so I got myself some Maccas and some binge foods. I finished that pretty much on the train. I went home, stopped at another shop to get more binge food, finished that on my way home. And I got home and there was nothing to eat. So I started making myself stuff like the weirdest stuff, like out of flour and sugar and yeah, butter, like just like a dough. And I finished everything in the pantry and I was like, okay, like, this has to stop. I couldn't taste anything. I felt extremely sick and nauseous, like, and just so, so shameful. I really wanted to make a difference and help other people, but I couldn't do that. If, if here I was like literally in agony on the floor and I, I remember bursting into tears and I held my dog, um, Kai, his name's Kaiser. He was like, he's such a love pug. He like hates it when I cry. I just held him and I just, I just cried. It was awful. Like it's, I just, and that's when I knew like, that's it. Get help style. You can't continue like this. And yeah. So that same night I still reached out to someone. So yeah. How did you even know who to reach out to? Because this is a different kind of illness in a way that it's it's hard and it's shame-filled just to ask someone because some people may think, well, look, you're a grown woman, you know, you yeah. know better. You, yeah, exactly. you know, all kinds of judgments <laughs> that come at you. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and, and you're right. I mean, I previously I've been to a psychologist and the psychologist said to me, uh, your symptoms are not severe enough. 
um, to be classified as an eating disorder pretty much. So um, you just need to manage your stress levels, your emotions better. I have been to a dietitian and she said to me, well, you just need to be more disciplined on your eating plan. I then, you know, throughout some of the coaching I look for, I look for a macros coach because I thought, well, maybe if I get my balance of my foods right. And same thing. I said to her, look, I'm here because I'm struggling with, um, you know, overeating and cravings. I didn't really realize it was full on binge eating. Um, and she said to me at the end when I messaged her and I said, I'm like, I just had a binge. And she's like, well, you just need to stick it out. And I was like, wow, like, if I was able to just stick it out, then I would have done that already. You know, like you said, I'm a grown woman. I'm successful in the in my whole, like my career, everything I apply myself to. I'm really disciplined and I'm really good at applying myself. But here I just had no control. And so um, luckily I actually already knew uh, one of the, the health coaches that studied with me. She's specialized in eating disorder recovery. So I just reached out to her and I said to her, look, I don't know if you're the right person, but this is what's going on. Can we chat? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk. And if I'm not the person for you, I will send you in the right direction. And yeah, so thank goodness I have been listening to her a little bit um, and not, you know, going back to some of the other dieting advice or the, the misinformation people with misinformation out there. Yeah. Right. Good. That's fantastic. So you reached out to that. And I know I've heard some people say like in this, in the States, and I don't know if this exists in other places, but groups like overeaters anonymous, a 12 step program can sometimes offer free support for people who need to talk about those sorts of things, but the, the resources just aren't really there if you're not so severely malnourished or sick with yeah. the eating disorder. And that's, so I like that you are filling that gap. Now, what happened after you met with your friend and started, you know, what started changing for you? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, the first thing that changed for me was my whole mindset with food. I had to, you know, I had a few exercises where I actually had to document my behavior and my thoughts. And wow, that was just an eye opener to just understand, just cognitively go, well, this is not normal. <laughs> so I started journaling. I started journaling, um, but also like she would give me like different just little prompts or exercises to kind of just put my um, just understand where, where I was at. And then we pretty much had to start rewiring some of the, the, the thinking, the, the emotions that went with that and the behaviors because, you know, that's how we change. We, we can't just, you know, pick up a new habit and say, yeah, let's go. If, if you don't understand why it's there or what's, what's the underlying, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was just, yeah, crazy. <laughs> Wow. And how long did it take to start seeing some change? So I started seeing my binge eating stopped roughly about eight weeks. That was the first week where I didn't have a binge at all, eight weeks into the process. Um, You know, along the way, there were still a few little 
Um, after that, a few little uh, mishaps, I would say, but they weren't as severe. And I was able to recover a lot quicker by 12 weeks. Um, I haven't binged. And yeah, it's been three years. So it's it's been <laughs> pretty, pretty good. That's so exciting. And congratulations. Thank you. You know, that really is that you have to have a much better sense, a feeling of balance. Yeah. Um, did the scale fit into, did weighing yourself fit into any of this? Or did you find that you could give that up if you were? You know, that was, that was really hard <laughs> because um, we moved into more of a, um, it's, instead of instead of a regimental eat less, run more principled, you know, diet concept, we went more into an intuitive concept where I was listening more to my body. And um, one of the things we worked on it was not getting on the scale because that was a habit of mine as well. Every morning I'd be on that scale and that would kind of dictate how my day would go, really. Like I'd be like in a good mood if it's gone gone down a little bit. Um, or if it hasn't gone down enough, or if it's if it went up, or you know our bodies fluctuate, um, I get super upset, and that would just dictate my food thoughts um, and how I'm going to make up for stuff and how I'm going to get the scale down and everything else. So yeah, you know, during uh, with eating disorder recoveries, there's different approaches for for different disorders. So, but with binge eating disorder, it is not recommended to you know make weight loss or the scale a focus whereas for example with anorexia the scale is important because they want you to gain weight in a healthy way so because of the fact that there's malnourishment and the health risks with being severely underweight so yeah definitely it was really hard for me not not to get on that scale I had to ask my husband to hide it Good, but good that you did the work. That was frustrating. You know how frustrating it was because that that part of getting on the scale was part of the habits. And once you take a part of the habit away, then that could be super frustrating. Yeah. Very anxiety producing, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I like that you say that they need different interventions. Depending on the eating disorder, you need different interventions. Yes. Uh, for, you know, I think that for a lot of us getting on the scale, if a person is health conscious, I don't want to say health conscious, if a person is weight conscious, that number can be like a horoscope, you know, <laughs> like that number is low. Today will be a beautiful day with sunshine <laughs> and everyone will approve of you. Yeah. And then the, the weight being a few pounds higher, just maybe two days later, it be, it's like tell you know getting told that the day is going to be horrible and something's coming for you and you know, like, yeah absolutely it can have much too much power so that's great that that you you know started doing the work now how does intuitive eating work do you does this mean that you literally you stop and think before you eat and you don't eat at what time lunchtime is but you feel when you're hungry how does it work yeah so intuitive eating is first of all again another big mind shift is letting go of all the rules that you've got about food so that one's really hard because you know like I've learned that for example lettuce is healthy and chocolate is not you know whatever the case is 
And it's more about feeling into what that is for you. So there's a lot of people who eat boiled chicken and broccoli and maybe that's like not like supporting their bodies at all, um, whereas other people function really well on that. So intuitive eating is understanding when to feed your body. Yeah. So almost going back to childhood, like young children, they're very good at um, telling you, um, I'm hungry at the weirdest time, right? <laughs> um, and once they've like had enough, they're like, you know, I, I'm done and you can try whatever you like. They're not going to eat anymore. So it's really starting to tune into those intuitive or into your body signals as to when you're hungry, as to when you're full, but also listening to your cravings and without judgment. And that's another thing. Usually mm. everyone tries to fight the cravings and get rid of the cravings or suppress their appetites. Um, but the cravings, the the hunger signals, they're all there. Sig- like our body's communicating to us. Um, and part of, you know, the intuitive eating style is also just to start making peace with your body no matter what shape it is in right now. <laughs> Another big mind shift um, because, you know, that's one of the big things that kind of drove my whole eating and exercise behavior was the fact that I was never happy in my body. Mm -hmm. It's, I totally understand that. And I just saw something come across social media the other day from, I can't remember where, but someone saying, saying you love your body only when it's at the right weight is like saying you love your children only when they behave well. (laughs) You know, you couldn't imagine saying that about a child, but yeah. you, and you probably shouldn't be saying that about your body too. You know, there yeah. needs to be that u- universal and unconditional uh, compassion and care for your body. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm a yoga teacher as well. And we always talk about if you're lending yourself to a future condition to happiness, you'll always feel like there's lack and unhappiness right here in the moment. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Love that. Love that. Well, fantastic. So when the pandemic came, do are you still able to do this virtually then? You work with clients virtually? Yeah, absolutely. I started my um started taking on clients internationally straight away. So uh, most of my clients were actually international based in the US and New Zealand. Um and during the pandemic, I actually um made a few um, a, a, a connections with uh, current clients in um, in Australia. So, yeah, I've yeah. always, always because um, my support is through through video where we meet like once a week, but then I also have text and message support in between sessions. So, yeah, it's always worked out pretty well. <laughs> That's fantastic. And what is the what is the thing when you look back to who you were then when you were kind of struggling, you had a, a brain clot, I mean, a, a clot in your brain and you're worried and, and sincerely worried about the ramifications of eating hospital food. Take that to now. What is the difference in your life? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, um, I focus on my health. So if there's a, you know, a, a symptom that I make sure that I look after myself. I slow down. I don't exercise if, if I'm not feeling well. Um, whereas before I'd push myself through it, you know, mm-hmm. um, I would, you know, there is no, 
hard and fast rule of this is how much I need to exercise or this is what I need to eat. So some days I eat more than others. I kind of listen to my body. And even as a woman through our cycles, our bodies kind of change. Um, I, you know, I no longer get on the scale. Like it's, it was just one of the things that kind of, that kind of stuck with me during my recovery. And I've just felt like it, didn't serve a purpose in my life anymore Uh, I actually last year I had to bring out the scale to get on it to weigh my suitcase and I I couldn't see so I had to obviously get on the scale weigh myself and then weigh the suitcase like together and I was like geez this is I can't remember when last I weighed myself um so yeah like that is just something that's not part of my day anymore um so instead i um, like to move my body in the mornings, usually some yoga or running. Um, oh, I still do weight work. Um, and then some mindfulness is something that I've brought in during my day because I know my a lot of my binge eating was emotionally like triggered initially. Mm-hmm. And so now I make sure that I, I look after my, my emotional side as well. I love it. I love it. Is there a question that you ask yourself that you could share with us, you know, before you eat? Um, yeah, like sometimes, um, so this is kind of how I kind of test my body from an intuitive perspective. I normally have a general outline of things that I like, um, and things that I know works well with my body, but you know, in the mornings I might go, um, do I want a smoothie or do I want oats or eggs, for example? And I kind of just let my body react. And then I know, well, that's that's what I'm going to have today. Um, that, I don't do that every day. Some days I have already like decided, oh, tomorrow I want eggs. I'm like, So that's all, all great. But, yeah, that's basically one thing I ask my body before I eat. Obviously, I keep checking in. Am I still hungry as, as I'm eating? And emotionally – if I find that I'm picking up a cookie, uh, for example, and I've already had a few and um, or I'm standing in front of the refrigerator with the door open uh, or the pantry and I'm just like in a pause mode, I, I am like, um, then I'm like, close the door. What do I need? What does my body need? That is the question that I'd normally ask if I find myself reaching for food in an emotional state. I love it. I think that's wonderful. Good way to check in with yourself, but to not be cruel and punishing to you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that sounds really good. Yeah. Well, where can people learn more about how they can understand um, the work that you do and connect with you if they want to work with you? Oh, thank you. So I have a podcast called Beyond Overeating by Wholesome Lifestyle Project. Um, so there I basically um, give weekly tips and trainings. And I also have a brand new um, group called the Wholesome Lifestyle Sisterhood, which is actually hosted off of Facebook um, or social media. So it's a very private community that's on my website wholesomelifestyleproject.com um but you know if if people have questions they can even go to my website wholesomelifestyleproject.com there's a little ask a question or chat function at the bottom of the, the website they're welcome to chat to me send me a message over there um instagram i'm on wholesome lifestyle project 
and Facebook, Stelcom Heath, or Stelcom Heath, actually, my full name. <laughs> okay, great. And I will definitely have that in show notes as well. But that's terrific because you can really unify the world. I mean, a, a world of women in your community that could be from all over the globe. Yeah. But there are a lot of us who really need the support to be both intentional and, and think about health and not thinness. Yes. You know, yes. Something that absolutely. makes us feel healthy and whole, not filled mm-hmm. with shame. Yes. And that is not necessarily looking like a scarecrow or, <laughs> a, you know, a supermodel because that just is not in the cards for most of us easily. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's the thing. Our bodies fluctuate like throughout the years. It's more working with our bodies instead of against them. Right. Right. I love that. And thank you. Thank you for this. This has been really helpful. I'm impressed with your journey and I'm excited to learn more myself. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, tell a friend and go ahead and give us a review. I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.